Hey, if you're new to the podcast, Deconstructor and Fun focuses on the business side of free-to-play games. Now, our focus is always on learning and sharing knowledge, whether through deconstructions of games or long-form podcast conversations with various experts in the free-to-play space. But sometimes topics like this one, sexism, come up, and I personally feel it's impossible not to talk about. This is a very sensitive topic, and I want to thank Camilla and Drusilla for coming in and sharing their thoughts. These two are extremely smart and experienced ladies, and I enjoyed and learned tremendously talking to them. Hope you'll get out of this episode as much as I did. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, give it up to Camilla and Drusilla. Welcome. Do you feel nervous? A little bit. You feel nervous? <laughs> Why do you feel nervous? Uh, I just want to make sense. That's all. Like yeah. it is. It is like a, a, a sensitive topic, and yeah, I just want to be able to convey the message properly. Yeah, and in the end, like we're trying to represent something that's a lot of people are passionate about, but at the same time, we can't represent anything but our own views. So it's a bit like. I hope I don't make too many people angry mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way. So I'm joined here by two very, very experienced game makers, Drusilla and Camilla. I said the other way around, <laughs> and I was pointing to that way because it's a new setup. <laughs> but, um, and we're talking about a very interesting subject. And we're talking about sexism in games. Or sexism in game industry, not games per se. And just before we jump in any, any deeper, I, I want to thank you for coming to do this podcast. Um, not saying it's brave <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> but, uh, but I do have to say that, that, um, when, when the subject first came along with the riots, um, uh, the article, uh, about riot, uh, written by Cecilia D'Anastasia, I'm, I'm doing wrong for her surname probably, but when that article came out and when the article from, uh, Megan Mary about six months at Riot Games came out. It felt very interesting, and I wanted to have this as a topic, so I approached a couple of people, naturally not men, <laughs> but women, to talk about it. Uh, it would be weird if two men or three men talk about <laughs> this topic. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I approached a few women um, who are pretty experienced in, in games industry, game makers, or working in other functions in games, and, and they felt that this was a very important topic, but they felt that they didn't, pers they didn't personally want to come in and talk about it with the fear of being labeled. And that's when I really got interested about this topic and a lot of people suggested you two ladies to, to talk about this um, because I think you don't care about any of that and, and because you have a lot of experience and because, yeah, I would say most foremost is like you have a lot of experience, especially working on game teams that are usually very male driven. So without me talking too much about kind of like the topics, let's go and talk about something fun. And that is how did you get into the games? I can't say my story until you've said yours because mine is dependent on yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe mine started a little before Camilla and then she jumped on that. So um, it was quite random how, how I entered the industry. I was about, uh, I think I was 19, like very, very early on. Um, I was at the time more like into art and as an uh, um, 
doing uh, illustrations and, and things like that. I was univer in university studying uh, graphic design. That's where I met Camilla, by the way, when mm -hmm. we were like quite young. So it was just very random that I had this online portfolio with my illustrations. And somebody uh, who actually is working in Finland, like now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I was studying graphic design and uh -huh. I was an artist, so I was working on a portfolio. And then, like, it was by random chance that this company in Brazil, uh, well, I'm from Brazil, so this company in Brazil, they were looking for, like, an artist trainee. Mm -hmm. And they ran into my portfolio, so they, they invited me for interviews. I had no experience with games and I didn't even, I haven't even thought at that point that games was something I could work on for my hometown in Brazil. And I remember that... Uh, Coincidentally, they, they were looking for someone who would have played a lot of The Sims because they were working on like a title that was heavily mm -hmm. inspired by it. And at the same time, I had like something wrong with my eye that was completely red, you know, when the blood vessels like pop. Like, you know, this, you know, really strange eye from playing a lot of The Sims. What? So, Your yeah. eyes popped from playing too much Sims? Yeah, but that's... Okay, that's the first... <laughs> this only happens with The Sims. Yeah, only yeah, Sims. only <laughs> happened in my life with The Sims because I was glued to the screen constantly, you know, like not blinking and not caring that my eyes are hydrated. So I that actually happened. And then in the interview, I thought that I was maybe making a fool out of myself by when they asked, like, do you play The Sims? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy crap. Look at this, and then like yeah. I opened my eye and showed my disgusting, you know, blood uh, vessels there, and then uh, I said, "This is The Sims," you know, and then they they gave me an assignment and and so on. So that's how I ended up <coughs> entering the industry, mm -hmm. and from that, like how I made it to Finland, was that uh, actually some of those people came to work in a company called Digital Chocolate. Mm -hmm. um, I know that company. Yeah, there were a lot of <laughs> you're familiar. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like you, like we haven't met. Look We're talking to <laughs> the audience. I even have the uh, the sticker on my computer. Oh <laughs> yeah, that, oh nostalgic. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so a lot of the uh, like some some Brazilians like came to Finland and we actually did have a very strong like a uh, tech hub where mm -hmm. we came from. So we kind of started exporting talent, and that's how how I made it here. And my career has mostly been for the past like 15 years mostly on game design actually i shifted from the illustration to to game design and um and in the past what uh, maybe seven years i have uh been more like a in a game lead type mm -hmm, of role mm -hmm. slash producer and i have been in companies like ravio Woga, and i have been now for six years in supercell mm -hmm. yeah so my story comes with drusilla joining that company <laughs> back in brazil <laughs> I was also in graphic design. Um, we were colleagues. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Like graphic design is such a big field and I hadn't really given thought as to what part of it I wanted to go into. But then, yeah, they apparently at some point needed another d uh, art trainee. Mm -hmm. And then I also joined after maybe nine months there. Um, they needed game designers. And that's when we pivoted to game design because they didn't want to hire externally. They wanted to see if internally someone wanted to, to join as a game designer. And then we, we did that. And since then, I've been a game designer since I was 19 or 20-ish. So, yeah. yeah, since then, I've been like in Barcelona, also in Digital Chocolate, but in Barcelona, uh -huh. in Wuga, in Berlin, and now in, in Supercell for the last five years. Damn. 
So a lot of experience and working on top of top games, working on failed games, like all of them we have. And, and yeah, I just wanted to highlight how much experience you guys have. Uh, see, I say guys. Yeah, you can say guys. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't some know people don't like it. Yeah, I find it weird to say folks. I try to say folk, but then it just sounds so German for some odd reason. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just say y'all. Like Volkswagen, you know? Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it just feels easier to say guys. But anyways, yeah. um, so we're, we're here, like, let's back down a little bit. So the Riot article came out, um, the one uh, by... by I'll just say Cecilia because her surname is Italian. It's really hard to say. <laughs> but shout out for the great article on Kotaku. Um, and, and um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very eye-opening article in the sense that, that it painted a very different picture of Riot uh, that has been very known for their culture and their culture of, of, of you know, from gamers to gamers and, and, and really being maybe the most... I don't know, the, the, may, maybe the most kind of like intense about their culture where they have those packages if you don't feel that you fit, if you don't feel that you want to work there and kind of like really, really emphasizing a good culture, a good place to work. And then reading this article, it, it seems like it is an awesome place to work if, <laughs> if you're of a certain type of a person and especially if you're a, a gamer male, then this is this is the place you want to work at. And... Um, and many of the sources painted that picture where Riot is a place where women are treated unfairly, where the company culture puts female employees at disadvantage, and other current employees speaking on the record, there was about 28 of them, uh, were, were painting a, a, a very, uh, pretty much a picture of gender discrimination. And that was followed by the, uh, the, uh, the blog post by, um, by Megan Mary, the six months at Riot Games, a, a very insightful blog post and very kind of like a sad to read because it was way more personal than the uh, the Kotaku version because it was like one person's journey uh, from from being super, super happy and kind of like leaving everything behind to work for her dream company, even moving to another country on another continent uh, to being uh, to, to, to feeling so, so at lost and, and, and just, you know, in, in almost like a like a agony in a way. Uh, she stayed for quite a while there. Mm-hmm. Um, so without without diving uh, deeper at this point to those, like how, when you were reading through those, like naturally when I'm reading through those, I'm like, oh shit, well, this is, this is not good. Um, but how did you guys feel? To be very honest, uh, when I was reading, it may sound a little sad, but it's like, uh, I'm surprised, but not surprised mm-hmm. type of thing. Because uh, a lot of the things that I read there, are not unknown, mm-hmm. like from just companies in general. So it's not the first time I've heard that something like that might have happened. And that's the thing that, uh, which is very interesting now with this Me Too uh, movement. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know how to feel about it. Uh, I personally think that one of the, be- uh, the, the, the best things that came out of it is just that women uh, or people in general like are realizing that they're not... Uh, alone in this that this happens to them and to their friends and to to others and and uh are relating to it and then just like getting more of this strength to talk about these things and it is uh, you can uh, easily see that it is working because now so many more people are talking about this like that's the reason why we are sitting here yeah, right yeah. now because some people are interested in understanding more like this issue that for us it's kind of like commonplace in a way mm-hmm. that even if some some things haven't happened to you but you heard that it happened to someone 
so so none of those things that I read felt um, in any way like made up or crazy or you know it's oh I've heard something similar like that happening to someone mm-hmm. in a certain place and and or in this event I heard that in, with this group of people something like this have happened so you know it's kind of so it touched on many things that were ju- were just like common knowledge yeah. in a way um, I guess the 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 surprising factor is just that of course like riot is a very respected like company um but i i and i i can tell that a lot of people were very uh defensive as well because they are very passionate about the games and about the company uh, but what people have to kind of realize is that it doesn't mean that when these things happen it doesn't mean that the company is shit yeah, you know that's not what not. it is it's it's a three thousand people company so it doesn't mean that everybody is a sexist, you know, uh, a bully, mm. and that all the women are victims. But it is a big company when you are at that scale. Well, even in smaller scale, but when you are, especially when you're in that scale, it's very hard to like keep a good culture like consistently yeah. across all teams. So, so all you need is a few bad apples here and there to kind of taint the experience for 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 the others. So yeah. that's what it is. So the, uh, people shouldn't feel so uh, defensive that oh. This is about riot, and I love riot. It's not about that, mm. you know. And and I do, yeah. I wanted to point out as well. I forgot to say, like, like I don't know particularly when when those uh, that when that data was acquired. Was it you know last month, or was was those interviews like maybe two years ago that happened, and all this has been accumulated throughout the years? I think in the article she mentions that she started gathering data in December <coughs> of in December, last year, yeah. so two thousand seventeen. Okay. And yeah, in May they reached out to Riot. Got it. To got talk it. About. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like because because one of the things that that is interesting is how you know it's a pretty young company in the end. Like how have they transformed? Maybe those things were happening two years ago, or maybe a year ago was already better. But definitely yeah. not dismissing that this didn't happen because it does. And and Riot is just a good example in this because they have invested so much in their culture, and they, you know, you go through a pretty heavy scrutiny before you get. Um, before you get employed by Riot, and yeah. there's still a chance where you can, you know, leave because of not being a cultural fit, and we'll talk about cultural fit mm-hmm. a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, Camila, how do you feel? Yeah, I'm I'm with Drusilla in the sense that like nothing seems new. Mm-hmm. Like these things, you you hear about them from your peers or from third. Uh, what do you say? Like when someone tells someone that tells you rumor. <laughs> not so much a rumor, but like not gossip? from the first person gossip, source, yeah. but from a second person yeah, yeah, who I heard I it know, first, I know. firsthand. Um, so yeah, it's a bit like, and I'm sure that, like Jusla said, a lot of people are angry that Riot is going mm-hmm. through this or this or that. But like, yeah, in a 3,000 person company, I'm sure that many women have never seen or experienced this. But you shouldn't like put down people who have, mm-hmm. even if I... I if I haven't ever suffered something like this, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very common to see people just like using that privileged experience of not having suffered it mm-hmm. to pretend like it's not actually a problem. Yeah, and that is a bad thing. Like, I don't know. And there's a so so the way I personally uh, perceive this is it kind of opened up another level to this. So. What I mean by that is when I was reading through it and there was a lot of sort of a bro talk and, and, you know, like, you know, the sprints being called as thongs and and all the kind of conversation that was happening. um, I 
I know that that's going on all the time. And, you know, we joke around the same type of things we were just talking about. <laughs> and um, that's, I, I didn't conceive, that, like, I understand that somebody would feel bad about those type of things. Um, but I didn't, I didn't feel that that's that big of a problem in an organization where 90% of the men, are, where the employees are men, and they're acting immature. And it's like, I know it's a problem. What I mean is, like, it's really easy to, to fix it, man. Like, listen, guys, you take somebody in the room, like, hey, those jokes, I mean, you're not here to be paid as a stand-up comedian, and they're not always funny, so, you know, tone it down if you need to say something that is at this level and you just can't hold it. How about you send a personal message to your friend or go in a room and tell him that joke and you both can laugh and, and bro out or whatever. You know, that's the pretty pretty standard. So so the bro part wasn't wasn't... I didn't feel like it was it was such a big thing. I don't know, it might be a wrong thing to say because I'm not a woman. I've, I've never experienced it. But what I felt was a big thing was when I was reading the Kotaku article, especially, uh, there was this, um, I'll just read a quote. So it's basically like, one day Lacey, um, so change name, um, had an idea. And, and she really believed in this idea. And that idea fell flat during a meeting. She asked a male colleague, to present the same idea to the to the same group of people days later he was skeptical but she insisted that he give it a shot lo and behold the week after the uh, a week after that he went in presented exactly as i did and the whole room was like oh my gosh this is amazing so this was the the, the real sexism that that i was reading through it is is not that much of a bro talk because that's the kind of culture they built. I mean, if you take 90% of men, that's that's literally like an army and or, or a sports team, and you know, seen too many of those. But when it turns into into a, a phase where an idea coming from an, an opposite sex is deemed as not so good or not even worth of investigating, now we have a problem. So, what do you, what do you? Th- Kind of like, what are your perception? Am I wrong in kind of like categorizing them into two? Mm, I do see them as two different levels. Mm-hmm. But like, I agree that the bro culture is easier to fix, but you don't see it fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. who who has ever seen someone take aside the bro and say, dude, and g- have that guy actually change? Like, it's from I've night to day. It's not that common to see yeah. because you just see bro places remaining bro, bro places and that creates kind of like a hostile environment well not hostile like i think women can mostly deal with it but they feel like that's not their place mm-hmm. like they're the sore they're they're sticking out mm-hmm. somehow and it's also like a combination of all these things together that's like <coughs> you know uh, something that is named thong or a joke like they're never like isolated events they're mm-hmm. like things that are just being added on top mm. of other things that may be more or less serious uh, depending on, on on the situation so it's kind of like you have to see it as a whole that you come to a space where all the guys act and talk in a certain way and maybe in meetings you have to like shout to be able to be heard and then maybe your idea won't even be mm-hmm. heard like, mm-hmm. um, like the example that, that you mentioned and maybe then after that you are walking and somebody makes a comment uh, like uh, of sexual nature to how you look and you know it's kind of like it's a it's a it's a it's a yeah it's all of these things combined yeah it's it's a tough one like you know we all of us have have led teams and then you're trying to create that sort of a team synergy that sort of a team feeling and sometimes i mean 
most of the times it seems to be that the teams are very male driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what it is, and and sometimes it's sort of a just talking about my personal experience. Like sometimes the good kind of a bro culture where we just laugh about like honestly the game developers are not that much of a bros if we're talking about like sports bros. And we just sometimes have that kind of culture where we talk like it's a locker room. But I do agree that it's really hard to define the line because at some point when it goes from, from you know, making fun of like drinking protein powders and, and being jacked and, and you know, like, like that kind of fun stuff to commenting on, on somebody's looks or, you know, I think that everything is it's, it's kind of like about knowing your audience mm-hmm. and even like we're talking about this bro culture and how would some females like feel feel, feel in, in this bro culture even some guys don't relate to it yeah, and yeah, feel course. like it's it's not their place in a way so it's more like in general if you do want to be more open to different kind of mm-hmm. people you just have to know your audience and then for instance from from my perspective as you know I curse a lot yeah. <laughs> And it can be that it can be st- sometimes it can be strange for for some people, you know, that I can see in their face that I may make a very like, you know, rude joke that like people think is funny, and then I can see in the face of that person that they didn't think it's funny, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe it was too much for them, because I have self awareness <laughs> to a certain extent. I do take a mental note that yeah. you know maybe you know what, that was a bit too far. This person is, like, the others have been working with me for so long and they are my friends. This is per- this person mm-hmm. is new and it's not fair that I, I'm just like, hey, you know, either you take my way or the highway. No, I, maybe I can learn something from mm-hmm. being open to different kinds of like, individuals. You're like, fucking laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, fucking laugh, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like <laughs> why you no laugh? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, actually, just... Uh, uh, um, yeah, I have this one colleague. We we are really good friends now. And then when he joined my team a mm-hmm. long time ago, he was like the sweetest, most polite person I've ever met mm-hmm. to the point that I felt worried that like, shit, I can never curse again in this team mm-hmm. with him sitting right in front of me. And I was constantly like trying to control my, mm-hmm. my, my, my speech. And then one day he was having like a really bad day with iTunes Connect. Uh-huh. And then he, he just like all of a sudden, fuck me sideways <laughs> looking at the computer <laughs> i'm like yes <laughs> yes we can we can curse. you were on the verge of getting like tourette coming home and just <laughs> cursing all day <laughs> i hope this is okay but yeah but that, that's just one example that is not like sexism related but it's just kind of kind of a similar thing like yeah. know your audience you know the world doesn't revolve around you there are other like people that are very competent and may have great ideas mm-hmm. that you add to your team and to, to, to the product you are developing. So it doesn't hurt to try to be more inclusive. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's all. Yeah, it's about living in society, right? Not everyone is going to be just like you, but you should respect them and try to make people feel comfortable and not like just because you can step all over them. I think why why it's so common in the like uh, maybe this bro culture thing with of course the male dominated environment is just that usually if you think about it these men have gotten to that point without almost ever having to deal with people that are different than them so it's it's not even an issue that they mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. so it's not that they are like bad people or you, you know it's just if you've never crossed yeah. like a, a situation like this and if, you, if you've been studying with guys like you and you go to you know since the beginning of your career you're dealing with guys 
Yeah, but then some of the things that that they were, you know, raising up, they weren't any more of a bro culture. No, I'm talking more like this is more in reference to the banter type of thing, like the jokes and, you know, that maybe sometimes it doesn't come from a bad place, but it can be perceived like uh, in a negative light. But yeah, the other stuff, it is flat out sexist yeah and wrong yeah and completely wrong and and it's even though like i know that you were kind of shocked by that but that was sadly one of the things i wasn't shocked by because i've heard that people told me like shit well well the thing is like the things you've told me just like even 15 minutes ago that was the first time i'm hearing about things to that magnitude of of sexual harassment in Mm -hmm. in 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 these companies because yeah like i i've (laughs) <laughs> and, that, and some of them we are only <coughs> even hearing now mm-hmm. because of the Me Too thing that some yeah. people started like getting inspired by by what happened in Hollywood and uh, Hollywood and, and so on. So only now, even to some of us, like even well, though we are women mm-hmm. and we haven't particularly experienced something ourselves, just to hear that it happened to somebody else, it has been like quite eye opening. <coughs> and as uh, c- touching on what Camila has said before, mm-hmm. that yeah, I think when something like this happens, then you have to try to like open your mind and mm-hmm. listen to this person and try to understand what's going on because we, with the fear of the labeling thing yeah. that some females have like that happens that if oh that never happened to me therefore there is no problem and you know i don't want to be associated mm. in any way with the with being a victim yeah or, yeah. i just feel like it, it has been mostly shared between this is my person between women <laughs> because uh, yeah because the things like 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 you, you were describing very, very concrete, ver- concrete examples of sexual harassment that you've heard of and maybe seen, and you know, having been a long time in this industry, having known a lot of people in this industry, like I've never seen that. So for me, it always like really that it, it happened. Like somebody did that. The way I saw sexual harassment before this was like a clumsy attempt at, you know, <laughs> at your coworker by by a developer he might not be such a casanova then he takes a couple of lines from somewhere and the woman feels like oh he's coming on to me and, he, and the guy is a little bit more persistent than he needs to be maybe he saw a wrong movie that's that's what was kind of like a, almost like accidental hmm. uh, just lack of maybe social skill and awareness but what you're describing like oh fuck that's that's sexual harassment 101 yeah and uh yeah, maybe to give a bit more background, like to. to I just want to sorry mention that we won't describe what you described because yeah. that's that's like Drusilla described some some very concrete scenarios, of of. And those weren't even the harassment. worst ones. <laughs> that so, I mean, those yeah, and, but even that, like, if somebody would do that to my wife or my my daughter, I'd be like super fucking pissed. Uh, yeah. So, and that's that's my meter of <laughs> of sexual harassment. It's like somebody makes a pass on my wife, like, ah, oh, kind of clumsy. But the ones you describe are like fuck. He's getting yeah, smacked. It's it's yeah. It's trade up <laughs> yeah. harassment. That that's something that, uh, that yeah. Th- this uh, case maybe I'll just give a background so you know like how those came up. That it was inspired by the Hollywood thing, the, mm-hmm. the Me Too thing. Me too. There that um, there is this uh, group in Finland called uh, the Facebook group Women in Games Finland. Yeah, and then uh, the admins of that group thought that it could be interesting to have some kind of anonymous forum mm-hmm. for people for, for women in the industry in Finland specifically to share their story stories anonymously yeah. without mentioning companies or individuals so just just for the sake of of uh of uh sharing with each other yeah. and 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 then seeing how how widespread the problem is 
And we were very surprised that even in Finland, where, you know, known for its equality, um, you know, if you want to get as equal as it gets, Finland is one of the places. Even in, a pl- in, in even here, like we were very surprised to see that the list was very long with over 40 stories and very like, and things that vary varied on the scale, like from, of course, some were more on the uh, like inappropriate texting, but others that were very like, clearly harassment like uh, like groping and taking more physical passes or even like stalking and things like that so it was a very sad thing to read i have to say yeah i think it's kind of it's kind of damaging the way we infantilize like when we think about men uh being harassers we have this tendency to infantilize them and think oh they just don't know what they're doing oh they're just clumsy oh they just don't mm-hmm. know how to treat women but yeah, behind that infantilization, like we we hide a lot of things that are much worse. And then the the women who suffer, the groping, the the strong harassment, they feel like they are mm. outliers, when they're not. Like, yeah, that that, that, that is part of the problem in a way because th- then you kind of have this feeling. My understanding, like from reading the stories, because the the women were also rationalizing like how they felt and why they haven't said anything about it and so on. It's like, who is gonna listen to me? Because this guy is friends with all the guys in the company, or they maybe they are a little higher up, or and, and then there are all these like there's this whole system set up for like uh, for forgiving the guy and bashing the girl, mm-hmm. yeah. so that it's like, oh, guy, boys will be boys type of arguments on oh, one hand, and on the other, it's like, you are overreacting, and, mm. yeah. you so, know. So let's, let's, uh, let's kind of like, I, I was taking a couple of two notes, kind of two direction where we're heading at, Yeah. and the one is talking about the culture, and yeah. the one is talking about platform. Uh, by platform, I mean the gaming platform, whether it's, you know, AAA, or, or mobile games, and so forth. So uh, before we go to much interesting one, the culture one, uh, let's kind of like deviate for a second and talk about the um, the type of games you're making. So with, with Riot, it's a clear example of, of, you know, that's that's the culture that they want to build is the one for game by gamers to gamers. So very male driven, just like their game is like, what, 95, 90 percent male, um, super competitive, super gamey. And, and that's that's the kind of people they, they want to hire. And, you know, I get it. Uh, it seems to be working quite well, at least performance wise. Uh, but let's talk about the same thing in mobile games. So one of the things what was happening to me is when I was reading, I was kind of putting it into the category of like, well, this is what happens at console games and, and you know, all these type of developers that are super male driven, super male culture, very competitive games. But is it the same thing on mobile side? Because on mobile and in social games, you know, half of our players are female. So giving the same approach that we try to target our games to women and if we would have the same approach as riot you know we try to hire the type of people which we do you know we actively always try to hire women to games in in all the companies because we feel that that their insight is very valuable uh which kind of is weird because sometimes most of the women that come into games are more gamers than i am so i'm like <laughs> but but um but yeah we would try to definitely hire women all the time because we try to cater to our user base and of course being a woman kind of helps um and the question that i'm kind of you know arriving to is is it the same in your opinion in in mobile game companies with games being targeted to women as well than in console 
I don't know if I can say if I can compare because mm-hmm. I have never worked in with computer or console games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't have that very clear uh, view of yeah. both sides. Um, what do you think, Trisova? But just like reading through the, the just you have an example of one, which is Riot in this yeah. case, and you kind of go through that. Does it feel like, did it feel like way more than than you your experience in, in social and mobile games? It's or also like, a very so big company say. like Riot is, so it's easier to see more stories. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure like... I understand. I understand. Yeah, we we don't have the pers- perspective from being like uh, from being a PC or console company, and even like a three thousand like company. So I guess it's kind of una- unavoidable that things maybe can get like even worse in mm-hmm. those scenarios. Um, mm. But it it is very hard to compare, and definitely I I wouldn't go into the assumption that just because it's a mobile game company and smaller, and even there are more women that like nothing like this happens because clearly from from yeah. even the example i gave from the the, the yeah the they were on the women in games yeah they were in finland there are not that many big companies mm-hmm. in finland a lot of mobile uh companies so the stories were coming from those places mm-hmm. and yeah yeah i i feel like we try to hire more women it's yeah. true but in the end, that's like the top making yeah. those decisions and culture comes from the bottom. That's true. So even if you hire a lot of women, like management decides that women will come through mm-hmm. the funnel. It doesn't mean they'll stay because because the bottom is has sexism okay. and all that. Let's move to the next one. It. It's fine. Like if we, if we don't, ha- you know, don't have an opinion. We don't have to come yeah, up but with but one. But I, I think that's a, a good point, like a distinction to make the attracting more women and keeping the women mm. as well. So. And that's something I have been thinking a lot about, uh, that in general, we always talk, let's attract more women, let's attract more women, but we are not having as much discussion on how can this be a good environment where women can uh, fulfill their potential. Because if they get undermined by all these uh, things that came up in the article or the similar examples, then, you know, they're not, some of them may stick, but some of them won't. Yeah. And then we will be like back to the status quo. So let's talk about the uh, other culture. I mean, that's, that's the the key thing. So there's, it's, it's very interesting one. I mean, for me personally, um, as I said, it's like, you're trying to, you're trying to keep your teams. You're trying to keep your teams highly function, and then you, you know, every team creates their sort of a their culture as well. You have the company culture, then you have a team culture, and when it's very male-driven team, um, it goes broish real quick. It, it just it, it's the way it is. So, and I'm I'm really curious, not curious, but like hearing your opinion on, on how to. How to manage that that culture because you don't want it to be too bland, too kind of a, I don't know, vanilla if you if you will, like where people are afraid to say anything and you can't even be yourself, um, almost like working at a bank or whatever. You have to kind of put your corporate face on and you come in to work and you have can't be any personal. You can't say, to where it goes to an extreme where people are way too comfortable and almost like pushing each other to cross the limit. And pushing each other for years to cross the limit and then went higher and higher and just saying outrageous thing and being straight up immature and offensive and then like towards the end just sexist and like how do you how do you how do you manage this sort of a from a from a team's perspective first how do you manage the culture where, where things are fun and casual without crossing the border 
I think it, it kind of, I, I would connect it with what I was saying before about just being like a bit more open-minded about people. And it doesn't mean like, uh, we shouldn't generalize that, oh, uh, women can't bend her or, you know, because every mm -hmm. individual is different. Some women may feel comfortable with certain kind of jokes. Some women may not. The same way some men mm -hmm. will be comfortable with cursing and some men may not. So, of course, like at the end of the day, everybody has to work well together. And but, so I would say that if a team feels so strongly that they should keep farting each other's faces and, and you know, making, you know, thong jokes that, that, that that's what they live for, <coughs> then I would say that's when it crosses the line. Yeah. I don't know if there's much that it can be done like on a company level that, you know, if, if a team gets to a point that that's their culture, it's kind of hard to sort of come in and like, yeah. hey, you know, uh, tone it down because it's very ingrained in them. But yeah, I, I, I'd say that it's if you, if you have common sense, it's not that hard. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the, the thing is more like giving the example. Because like, yeah, if, if a team of 15 people are all bantering and joking and no one is actually setting the example of what it actually should be or telling them like, look, tone it down, then they'll never tone it down because they don't see the problem no one complains about it it's just what it is but then a new person comes in that that doesn't like all that and then it's like their problem they should leave because mm -hmm. they don't fit in the culture so it's a bit like culture comes from the bottom up but in that point i think it needs to be from the leadership of the team not yes. from the leadership like top management yeah. but whoever is leading that team should have a little bit of more of control yeah i think you nail it because in a lot of those examples as well it comes from the team lead where the team lead was actually proponing that type of culture because they always said like, well, you know, even the oh, yeah, managing true. staff yeah. and everything. So um, that that's that's absolutely true. And it's and it's true in, in every type of those bro-ish scenarios. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of I, I like bro culture, but but what they're describing as a bro culture is but not it, bro it culture. It is different what yeah, you, you, different. you are identifying yeah. with. It's not what you think. It yeah, is I'm, actually, I'm in like yeah. a sports team culture. Yeah. Where it's very like, it's competitive in a good sense. You always give everybody shit and you always, you know, kind of nag on people. But you're super supportive as well. And like, we're one team, but you're kind of like brothers. Mm -hmm. That's the type of like what I see. But but um, but even in those scenarios, whether you're brothers, whether you are a sports team, it's usually the captain. It's usually the big brother that sets up the example of where's the line and, and not to cross it. And then, you know, kind of keeps the pack uh, along those those elements. Yeah. And I think it's also very common. And I, I, I don't remember the spe specific examples from the article like that. Sometimes even some team members might feel bothered. Even guys mm -hmm. might feel might feel bothered, but then they just don't say anything. So it's a bit common, like dynamic that when you have enough of these vocal ones that, you know, uh, ha have this kind of culture and and. and uh, are into the sexist jokes and the, and the, the rude uh, pranks and, and so on. Like, so when you have those, then you have the, the, the people who uh, don't talk about it. Like, they, they might be bothered, but then they don't talk about it. And people who just don't care about it or people who relate with it. But the bottom line is that nobody does anything about it. People are just being kind of led by the vocal pack, basically. Mm. Mm. It's it's very hard to like speak out against a group, like if you are against what the group is doing, yeah. Like it's very hard to be one against many. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important for a team lead to to be able 
to develop a trust that some a, a, each team member would feel comfortable enough to go to this person mm -hmm. and have a one-on-one -on, -one on what is uncomfortable for them. Yeah. So that the team lead having the position of power can then do something top down. Yeah, that's that's the yeah, I I I 100% agree. Yeah, the one-on-ones and everything if even if you're unaware of these things, they will come up in in those one-on-one -on -one discussions. There is trust. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because if the team lead is also doing all those stuff, yeah. why would you put yourself through that? Like go through that risk of being actually labeled as a person who is not fitting mm. or, or not cooperative or anything like that to just be fired six months and later. I, and even if it doesn't come from the team lead himself to be to acting that way, if he doesn't show any kind of sign that he might be that he might care about it and he might be a good listener mm -hmm. yeah the trust building part even if something if a lady or another guy is uh, uncomfortable in the team they will never imagine that something good will come out of coming to the team lead and complaining about their peers yeah so it's this yeah i think you touched on a very good like yeah it, how, how does this trust building happen mm. that's true yeah. uh because uh, when you're saying these things i kind of remember some of my own experience with with um you know, with the women in my team, and and I remember in one one on one with uh with a lady, and we were talking about the subject, and she was kind of holding back. Like I can see, it wasn't sexism at all. It was it was a you know actually a work subject. Uh, it was regarding a person who was her manager in the team, but wasn't the yeah. team lead. And uh, and she was, she was like, "Do you really want to hear it?" Because I'm like, "Yeah, just fucking say it." It's like be open, and she's like, "Are you sure?" It's like, yeah, but he's your friend. I was like, no, this is a team. Um, it's not friends. Like we are, yeah, of course I'm, I'm hanging out with that person, but just say how it is. And then she was able to talk quite freely and you can kind of feel like how relieved she was when, when talking about, I, I just, I didn't, but I just thought of thinking about it now because it's kind of different with men. I don't, I've never heard, you know, felt that a man would be on a team. I've never had the experience where a man would be, um, kind of held back about talking about certain things i think it's a very like sensitive topic yeah for for women that uh even if the lead is like a, a super nice guy you know and very open and talks openly about how you know you should dialogue about yeah. things and so on it's still very hard to come and talk about these things because yeah. it's kind of ingraining you that deal with it yourself it's embarrassing you're being sensitive you're being sensitive mm -hmm and nobody's gonna care like there are all these things that go through your mind and then something that like from a very concrete example from from my side it has happened like a long 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 time ago like uh when i was younger a uh, younger well that was a long long time ago mm -hmm. like when I was yeah, you're younger so old now <laughs> <laughs> well having a kid added maybe 15 more years to that but um i feel very old now but anyways uh that yeah, something happened in a company that was involved, uh, like that involved actual touching, like you know, uh, a friendly pat on the butt type mm -hmm. thing, like in a company environment. And I didn't know what to think of that. Like it was so surprising to me. And then as a young person in the industry and mm -hmm. so on, so many things cross your mind that you're like in, in a fraction of a second, you're like, what do I do? Was that a joke? Like, well, it wasn't funny to me. What should I say? And what can I say if I say something, you know, is this person going to be mad at me? Is he going to badmouth mm -hmm. uh, like uh, me to others? 
and do I have to worry about like my my career that now I'm not gonna like be considered to move forward because you know everybody's gonna see me as some kind of like bimbo in the company you know mm -hmm. like all of these cross your mind obviously uh, that shouldn't be the case yeah, yeah. but um, that crosses your mind and then you don't say anything and you don't do anything and that's how it is you know so so that was a long time ago and then nowadays of course things would be very different and I think like being in the industry for 15 years like I can now kind of uh, see that there is a huge difference whether you are starting and whether you are more senior mm -hmm. uh, that I do I, I can say that I can even pinpoint at some point in time when things got much better and that had to do with the fact that I became more like a game lead and a oh, producer got it, got it, we that the moment that you kind of get more of this sort of like uh, I don't even like the word boss but that's how some people see it like that you become more of a boss then that kind of stuff gets filtered filtered out like quite a lot and then um, yeah <laughs> I don't know what else can I say but yeah. <coughs> so, so, so it is very hard to it, it is a very common thing that you don't want to talk about these things and from the leadership to get these women talking is is a hard task do you feel that that when you became uh, a lead uh it was easier for other women to talk, come and talk to you or did they filter it out the same way uh that is a really good question um I haven't sadly been working with a lot of women. Mm -hmm. There is that as well, even though I have been even working. from other teams. But it, yeah, it hasn't happened. And to be honest, I have felt that uh, I, I have been thinking about this. That why why haven't I heard? Mm -hmm. of, like I don't hear about this anymore. My and I don't have the answer for this, but my assumption for this is that they see me now maybe more as part of the guys. You know that. Um, you know, like, what is her agenda? Basically, I think they might see me in a light that I'm not maybe straight up like an alley, but more like I'm one of the guys. And if I come to talk to Drusilla, will she she spill the beans to these guys? And what will these guys think? And, you know, maybe they don't feel as safe. Um, I don't know. To be honest, it's something I have been thinking about. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, it, but there wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> Could be also that I'm scary. <laughs> do you feel it would be, Camila? Do we feel it would be easier uh, to go go and talk to um, a lead who is a woman about these issues, or than a man? Mm. If you were, let's say, you would be experiencing um, a culture that is not appropriate, in your opinion, would it be easier to talk to a woman, even if she's on on another team? It all depends on how people position themselves, right? If my lead is a man and he positions himself as very open, mm -hmm. as very like, if there is a problem, I will get it fixed or mm -hmm. I will try, then I w am more, more likely to just go to my lead because he's the guy who yeah. can probably affect the change. Um, but if he isn't, then it's like, who else can I talk to? And it also depends, does this woman uh, represent as someone who can help me? Because yeah. A lot of women don't. Yeah. Some some of them do feel like the guys and act like the guys. Mm -hmm. One of the guys. So it's a bit like I don't feel that whether it's man or woman would make that much a, yeah, a difference. I don't, I don't think it matters that much. It's yeah. more like about the person because there are a lot of women as well that they they don't identify at all with yeah. this whole issue that you talk to them. I, uh, I even had a name at some point like for... <laughs> 
I, I call them the underminers. Oh. You know, sorry that I <laughs> that I went like there, but you know I I, I have met se- like several women that really surprised me. Like no, that never happened to me. Therefore, mm-hmm. don't talk to me about this because they really don't want to be associated with this. And you know if somebody would appoint such like woman to be mm-hmm. oh okay so now because she's a woman and in a leadership position yeah she... in a leadership position go talk to her if there are problems and th- this would be the kind of person yeah. i would never talk to this person I, th- I think that's a that's a really important uh, i'm really happy that you said it again Camilla, because um you know bundling all women or all men into same category is just stupid exactly uh everybody's different you know uh, at a different age you can't be like oh I'm, I'm for women in games or like or men are this in games yeah. it's just like everybody's different and somebody's bro culture might be totally different somebody's views on what sexual harassment would be totally different uh, as well as somebody's view on the culture so that's a that's a very valid point and i also want to kind of reiterate the point that you said again uh, about it being the team leads responsibility to incorporate the, the company's culture and being kind of like the uh, the pillar post of what is good and what's not good and what lines you're not crossing and that person needs to be leading the culture inside of it instead of like you know focusing on individuals uh it's it's that person setting an example and if people are following and if you're way out of it like look at look what this person is doing like come on he's he's he's, he's the one who's who's uh, who's leading it so that's a very imp- important notion to remember in, in two other things like setting up somebody to to lead the culture when you're finding a team lead um and and the one that it's not all the women that you can just pick any woman like just see just find a woman oh she's the highest ranking woman she's the other uh, cultural um you know gender leader in this company so go talk to her i don't want to hear anything about it she's a woman she knows everything about being a woman so talk yeah. to her and in, in the end like of course we're talking here about sexism but everything else is also like falls under the same like if you're experiencing homophobia mm-hmm. if you're a gay man if you're a trans person um suffering transphobia we shouldn't just say well talk to this woman because sexism <coughs> is the problem yeah. we care about like no there should be pillars that can address several different problems all the intersectionality yeah um but yeah but this podcast and, and, is and, and, and yeah we have been talking a lot from like women's perspective for obvious reasons but even men suffer harassment yeah that's something that has like it, it, part of this discussion, like when I have been talking with yeah. people, this comes up as well that I have been surprised. That I wanted to say a joke, but now I can't. But then I should. I was like too little. Okay, no, too little harassment. <laughs> <for me." laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a bad joke. <laughs> no, but I've actually I've met uh, a couple of guys that like were genuinely bothered by some level of harassment that they faced. That like, uh, you know, shit. There is this. You know, I was in this party and there was this woman that was always on mm-hmm. me and trying to like you know hit on me i said no and then started getting touchy and you know and then there's also that side of the coin that who does this guy talk to yeah because there's even like a bigger like but that's the thing like with men being harassed it's so different because if i'm a man and i'm harassed by a woman it's not as intimidating if i'm a man and i'm being harassed by a man and who's like a much bigger man than i am like now now i'd be like okay dude back off because it's like now it's getting i'm feeling intimidated but if a woman like that's why i understand when women are being harassed because men are stronger and yeah bigger. But like in a company setting being physically assaulted oh yeah, yeah is it's not, not necessarily the, the problem yeah like it can happen and it's mm-hmm. a huge problem if it does but just like Stature. being undermined in your work if another woman if a high-ranking woman harasses a man and then he 
he says no and suddenly she destroys his career it's just as bad yeah. and probably fewer people will support that man because of that kind of feeling like ah mm -hmm. a woman came on to you you yeah. liked it oh you're a man Damn. you should like it you know yeah that's that's yeah i get it <laughs> see i was i was already like dude what's wrong <laughs> Yeah, that that's true because there's there's a two level of, of of intimidating. It's it's your stature, and it's also your physical intimidation. Mm. So so that's why you know that's why we perceive yeah. harassment for women as not being so intimidating because women are. Yeah, and it, it is at the end of the day, it yeah. is a lot about the power imbalance thing that you know. It always kind of boils down to that. It rarely, when you read these stories or you talk to, rarely mm -hmm. it's like somebody punching up. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's always punching down. Yes, it's somebody that feels like, okay, I'm safe in my position. Nothing can happen to me. Therefore, I can do whatever I want because I'm not gonna suffer any consequences. And but then from the other side of the coin, if you have somebody who's young in the industry or don't feel as secure in their work, they will see all of these as possible. Uh, like, like it's yeah, like you said, it, it can possibly undermine your whole career. Mm. So let's talk about uh, culture a little bit more and, and a cultural fit. And, and one that I think Drusilla you mentioned is that, or was it Camilla? Either of you mentioned. Uh, we are the same. We are the same. You're two <laughs> women. It's the same. No, it's um. Uh, you were talking about it's not only the top line of the funnel of getting women into the games. But it's also keeping them in the games, and you're actually very right on that. I was I was looking at some of the uh, the notes that I had, and there was a National Center for Women and Information Technology that did a study, and they said that the the quit rate for women in technological companies like Google, Facebook, whatever, um, in in the jobs of engineers, designers, and analysts, was uh, over twice twice as high as for men. So so that's definitely very valid in all technology companies they are uh, the, the ability to not only acquire but to retain mm -hmm. so so let's talk about uh, a little bit of a like the top line funnel and that is the other uh, cultural fit and we've we've all interviewed a lot of people and and there's always the one where we do the the, the other side of the interviews is like you know if it's an artist they get interviewed by your art team and and very the the, the focus of the interview is very much on your technical skills and then there's the uh, the lead that interviews, and you, sometimes if you're not an artist, then you mainly interview them based on their cultural fit. What are the uh, what are the pitfalls there? And I mean, yeah, let's just talk about that one. Yeah, maybe <coughs> yeah, the stuff that we were talking yeah. about before before we we started. Um, yeah, we we have been talking a lot about like cultural fit and. What does it mean to people? Mm -hmm. That sometimes one of the pitfalls is thinking that cultural fit means somebody like you. And uh, you were saying yourself, well, but then it depends on the company. If a company has a very strong like, sense of what their culture is and do a very good job at communicating to everyone, like uh, your example, like mm -hmm. meritocracy, mm -hmm. um, let's say as one example, is something that you try to measure the individual by and so on. But in practice, even when a company does, let's say, a good job at this, in practice, we are all still human beings. And one thing that is very common in human beings is like uh, making decisions based on biases. Like that's just how we are. And we might not even realize it. So even, you know, even though you have like a clear company culture, 
in practice, it's n not everybody goes and like, oh, does this person fulfill all this criteria? Yeah. Like in a very unbiased way. I've never seen that happening. Like, no, it is about like your gut feeling and your, your, your how, how well you bond with this person. Can you see yourself hanging out with this person? And it, 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 it has all of these. And of course, like if let's say 90% of the people in a company are men, the you know the, the the interviews would be more skewed towards their biases so uh and and then if it would be 90 percent females the same would happen towards like maybe a different direction mm. so the example that i was giving like one guy that i work with very experienced like a great guy we are good friends and so on he did is he handsome uh, i know who you're talking <laughs> about <laughs> no yeah let's focus uh so <laughs> So a long time yeah. ago, when we there was like some <laughs> workshop, recruiting workshop yeah. about biases in, in, in our company. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a very good discussion on this that he, he mentioned that, yeah, actually, you know, if I'm interviewing a guy that I can hit it off with immediately mm -hmm. that, you know, we are both into sports and into outdoor activities. And yeah. so of course, you bond over that. Of course. And then that person automatically gets some extra points. The same way that like, for instance, me, uh, I heard that uh, we were hiring like a female game designer from for another team. I didn't even like work mm -hmm. with her. But then I only heard about her that she played the same games as me. That's like one of her favorite games are is Animal Crossing, which is one of my favorite mm -hmm. games. My I know this sounds ridiculous, but one of the first things I said was she's my best friend already. Oh wow. You know? <laughs> so it happens. Yes. We are human. And that's why uh it is important like from a company perspective for people to be aware that this happens. And for instance, uh, I do think that the trainings help, like the bias training. Uh, it made a lot of us realize these things and try to kind of be more self-aware and call yourself mm -hmm. out when you start seeing that, that this happened. Um, but generally, yeah, it's when you have a more diverse team, you kind of balance this out. And that's something that we have realized uh, in Supercell that it makes a lot of difference. So so now we are very active on trying to get as big mix of people mm -hmm. as possible interviewing one person. And it's amazing. Like I was just recently in one interview with another guy. We interviewed together. We took completely different takes from the interview. That it was almost comical that in the end when we were having a debriefing with the whole group. Yeah. I'm like, I like this guy, you know. And then this and then the person that interviewed with me, the other guy was like he was so negative. Oh my God. Like he had such a negative uh, like response. And when we were debriefing, we were so surprised. Like we were almost laughing that how can, were you in the same room? It's like, yeah, we experienced the exact same thing. And in this case, it didn't even have to do with gender, you know? Yeah. So that yeah, just yeah. goes to show how subjective these things can be. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The more mixed group you get together, like the more mixed ideas you'll get so you'll be able to pull from that mm -hmm. like when you're working together but yeah biases i think are inherent of course to humans we're all tribal like if we you perceive someone as being from your same tribe they already like yeah. jump up yes. in your yeah. idea of what they are i don't think so people should tough. be defensive and think like no biases no me never yeah. you know They're but humans. more like no how can we understand that this is a natural thing that can mm -hmm. happen and how can yeah how can we minimize this as much as possible I, I like you i like that approach of having a lot of different people interviewing uh because you're looking for the company-wide cultural fit mm -hmm. and um and yeah it also depends a lot on the person because the way i've noticed is like there's there's two type of like it's a spectrum 
Uh, and there's two ends to it. The one end when you're reviewing somebody or when you're talking and how do you perceive somebody. The one end is is the people who really value character. You know, like, she's great. Uh, he's awesome. He's this type of character, this type. Of, he's very, you know, very hardworking and like all these type of uh, elements that are very hard to measure. But they're what you feel and they're very character driven. And then there's the other side of the spectrum, which is people who value skills above everything super technical like i don't care what kind of music you like where you live when you come to work like what is your day pattern what kind of games you play but man your server architecture skill the way you answered this question blew my mind you're you're absolutely you know a perfect expert that's the that's the other spectrum like of course we're trying to find somewhere in the between but I've, what i've noticed is that the people who who um who kind of value more one of the side give very different so if you put somebody who values the skill more versus somebody who values the uh, the character more you will get very different feedback on the character They're like oh excellent cultural fit awesome he's really positive <laughs> like these type of things they're like how did you measure that he's very positive did he smile a lot was it his posture did he have nice teeth or was she was she just very very kind and very good you know talking about her previous one where somebody's like oh i'm, I'm i didn't care anything that she was talking about like all those positive things were just blah, blah, blah. I was very interested in, in how she answers this one particular question. So mm -hmm. that's, it's kind of like that. That's yeah, that's the type of a uh, type of view. But uh, that, that I've, I've noticed, but very true. Having having different people interviewing. That's mm -hmm. funny. Did you record that interview? Other people should have watched it. And I, I wish, I, you know, of we don't record interviews, but after like, should start. We, we were so shocked <laughs> at the result that I wish we could go back and analyze. Yeah. You know, I wish like I could see what he was, you know, what my, my peers yeah. expression was because I, I was totally like feeling it. And so I was very shocked to hear that he was wasn't feeling it at all. You should have like you yeah. should in the future like we record this interview just for internal purposes. Yeah, just we, for study purposes. Yeah, because so. we have such a conflicting opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so. But our, our recruiter, she she actually thought it was really good the debriefing session mm -hmm. exactly because of that. She's like, th this was an amazing example because she has been of course an advocate for this. Yes. Like, how can we make the interviewing process better and like uh, rethinking our practices and so on and. She was like, oh, that was such a great example mm -hmm. of why we need more different people interviewing, not just the hiring team. Like, because if, yeah, if, if it becomes like so much about the hiring team, then it will keep reinforcing that thing that we were talking before. That if it's a team that values, you know, the bro culture yeah. and et cetera, et cetera, like they, they will end up just hiring people that are like them. Plus people move between the teams. So it's, yeah, it's exactly. very smart exactly. to, to, uh, to have very different ones. I, I, I wouldn't want to have like a company just with my picks, you know, that would probably go horrible wrong, you know, or like, really great. Yeah. Come to think of it. <laughs> it's always good. Yeah. You know? That's a, I'm, I'm actually taking that note. I'm, yeah. I'm in the next interview. Definitely. I, even Camilla, be. like obviously we're very good friends by the time she came to Supercell. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to make sure that like a lot of people would interview her. And because I don't, I don't, I, I was terrified of the idea that I might be so like inclined to hire her just because she's my friend, you know, and then it can happen. You know, it doesn't matter how professional you are. It can happen. We are human. So I, I, I had, we had many game designers, people from other teams, like talking to her and only when they said that, yeah, she, she seems all right. Yeah. You know, then know. we, <laughs> mm -hmm. then, then we made a decision, but I, I was really terrified of the bias being very strong there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no, I, I totally get it because you're putting all your weight behind that. 
So let's talk about um, one of the last things I have. Um, I have this sort of um, uh, an ideal employee or a mold. So do you feel like do you feel like sometimes cards are stacked against women in certain way because women don't fit the mold? Of a, like it's it's a little bit different for you guys because when you're interviewing, you are essentially a mold of 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 a woman in games, a designer or, or a game leader and so forth. So so you can you know you represent a mold of itself. But when when there's no game designer woman that 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 the person has worked with, like do you feel that that it's kind of stacked against the women because they don't they don't know like they haven't yeah they might never work with a with a woman in a game team. Yeah, I think it's like Drusilla was saying, it's the bias, right? Mm -hmm. If you've never seen that happen in your team, <coughs> then you're more likely to go for someone that looks like you or like that good designer that you worked with that one time. Yeah. So yeah, in that sense, like having it be 90% male makes it so that the biases lean towards more male employees. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I do think that... Um, Again, not all women experience this. That of course, these sexist practices that you you find sometimes, and these stereotypes that some people may have of women, of course, that uh, affects the attitude of people towards you. So, if on top of you already not feeling represented in the mm -hmm. industry, you get like signaled every now and then that this is not the place for you. Of course, like depending on who you are and how much you have experienced it, it could affect your will to stay in the industry. So, um, yeah, like in hindsight, I know that this was not supposed to be about examples, right? But in hindsight, if I have to think about stuff that happened a long time ago, if I would be maybe a different kind of person, I might have thought that it's not for me or maybe decided to just that, well, maybe, you know, being a producer or something like higher, like a, mm -hmm. a position higher, maybe it's not for me because that's what people around me are telling me, you know, that could have easily happened. It's just that. Yeah, people are different, but for sure, it's it's there is a bit of a stack mm. against you. I would say, yeah, hmm. not only from others, but even like like you said, like from yourself, you don't see yourself out there. Like if you have no female bosses yeah. at all, if you don't have the like examples that show that it's possible, yeah, and on so that that's why it starts from there, and then when you start the career, like very optimistic that like yeah, I can get there, but then you start getting like you know things happening to you or things being said mm -hmm. or even like some things that are directly undermining your progression yeah then you start feeling like well maybe i don't want to fight this fight i kind of feel you that know? that one of the thing is like like i i totally understand that and um yeah in, in my personal experience i've actually every time i'm, I'm reviewing applications I, I females do get points on my system because we don't have that many so i'm, I'm for selfish reasons i'm trying to promote this it's like i just feel that that you need a woman in your team if you don't have one and preferably a couple because you're making games that women play. So, you know, purely like this is not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to create equality or anything. I'm just thinking about the success of the product. But anyways, uh, what what I was thinking is like the, with the quitting rate, what could be a part of it is like if you have a lot of men and you only have one woman per team or something like that, it's really it's different to be on the team, right? Because when you go on a lunch, when you can hang out with like you don't have that 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 um that same i'm just taking my own example i used to mm -hmm. when i was a student i used to work a lot in communications as a training and communications is very female heavy uh department uh, i've been a lot of a big companies and i was the only guy there 
And it was it was different. Like the things we talked about weren't the things that I normally talk about. Like there was no we didn't go through the latest UFC event. And <laughs> like like during the lunch. And you know, like I wasn't like over the weekend, dude, did you see that knockout? It's like yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually really, really interesting because I like to tell some guys when they can't imagine how sometimes weird it can be mm-hmm. just being a, a female alone in a group of guys. It doesn't even mean that uh, it's not even related to sexism. It's just some things that I'm interested in that yeah. the guys are not. Yeah. And then there are certain things that I just can't talk about because, you know, if I want to talk about Project Runway, you know, I'm not going to. It's oh, like, I'll it. come to Camila. I'm going to say, hey, Camila, did you see that? I would never be able to. Sometimes talk about you're in and sometimes you're out. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I, I tell, like, imagine if yeah. it would be the other way around that you're coming mm-hmm. to a place to work every day. Just picture if it's only women. And even if you, if you, if they are great, if you're mm-hmm. friends, if you, you have yeah, nothing yeah. against them, it is a lot, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's still a lot. And you kind of start missing, like, yeah. like it, it, the quitting might come for some people, like, not because they're harassed or not included. It's just like, you're like, damn, I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about things that I'm personally interested more often. Like, I just can't get into Project Runway or or Design Home. Like, what, what's the uh, what's the, um, the Canadian show where they renovate the house? Leave, love it or leave it? No, it's love it, love it or list it. Love it or list it. That's that one is amazing. Yeah. See, I could get into that. <laughs> Maybe thing, my though, problem is I worked actually in female organizations. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> funny thing though, that that show was my husband that found it, and yeah. he got into it, because and it, then he it, made me start. Watching well, yeah, because there's so a, not just like the thing male, is, it, it's kind of competitive <laughs> because you make the uh, investment and like how much is it worth in the end? Is it a better decision? Yeah. So it's like a lot of, a, but at the same time, it's like what's pretty and whatnot. So it's a, it's a good show. Yeah, excellent show. Yeah, when you're, <laughs> but when you're in, when you're the only type of person in a team full of other people, whether it's you're a guy in a team of women, mm-hmm. women, you're a woman in a team of men, or internet, uh, like uh, like uh, in an international company, even here, like we uh, game companies are very international, <laughs> but it does happen if if a team is only Finnish people and then yeah. you put one foreigner there, that foreigner might suffer a little bit from the like conversation always turning to Finnish. So it's a general like. the companies should be a bit better at the general inclusion mindset Mm -hmm. it's not just like about females and males it's just generally like how can you be more inclusive as a company so that you have uh, so that you attract and you retain the talent that you should have to be creating titles for a broad audience yeah Yeah. Yeah. can be very isolating to be the only one yeah that's why that's why it's really good to have a lot of people interviewing as well Mm -hmm. because you create those connections even if if there's not enough connections on your own team. You're actually, well, this person interviewed me. So when you come to an organization, you're like, hey, you know, you're right away in, in a bigger spectrum. So that's that's a really good idea. I'm, I'm, I took a note. I'm, I'm just actually, this is a new process. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, um, the, the last thing that I'm, I mean, if unless you have anything, but the last thing that I wanted to kind of talk about was was just how to encourage more women to to um to come to games industry like what i've seen like i'm just interesting to know does it work because what i've seen a lot is like these events for women specific like women in games or or we attract a lot of women to come in and and a woman is usually presenting and she's in some kind of leadership like we have two three four different type of women's in leadership roles and I've, i've been arranging some of those like students from alto women students come in and you know women are talking about how how is it like working in games and kind of selling them with the idea of this is a big first of all this is a big business so it is not and second of all it's it's like women are doing great here 
and we are doing a lot of products and services for women so you should consider this but i want to hear your your kind of a your take on it is is that is that enough or what what else should we be doing like i understand the the hiring one was very important to have all the team the team lead is is a very important aspect of of keeping the team lead as a as a sort of a captain of the culture but you know is it working like how can how can we how can we get more women to to games and stay them well, stay them that's that's another one how can mm-hmm. we decrease the quitting rate naturally you haven't had that problem you came and you stayed <laughs> so <laughs> i've been lucky yeah. i've been very lucky like with the teams i've been in and like well, i haven't we'll talk about that, that. talk about that like how do you perceive that you were really lucky um first of all i'm lucky i think a bit because of my personality because uh-huh. i have always like since school been one of the guys like not caring much mm-hmm. about like girly things which i do see like is a bit of a like a, a way to avoid sexism when you're young is just like to fit into the mold of the tomboy who's one of the guys and i stayed there like i was very i'm very comfortable in this in mm-hmm. this personality type mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so she almost didn't want to be my friend just because like she thought i was a bit on the girly side me Ooh. and i'm not even girly but well. yeah i went to talk to her first day of university and then she confessed to me later that when she saw me coming she was like please don't talk to me please don't talk to me please don't talk to me and I'm she like she was What? wearing like no no don't go there don't go okay. there okay she don't was go wearing there. Like, yeah no. <laughs> she was a dress how dare no, she no. <laughs> she was yeah. wearing a girly shirt and yeah. i was very much in my teen years of like mm, yeah yeah goth I'm one of the goth not <laughs> my goth like comic book nerd uh, one oh, of the goth was there. Self-painted comic uh, yeah self painted like yeah flash, flash shirt and i had a, a pink logo. like girly like type of thing which was a gift from my father so that was the thing like i just went to wear to make him proud mm-hmm. but she totally put me in a box the moment she set si- eyes on me shame well, not for so long. judgy shame. so judgy yeah i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> anyway, i sorry. know i was wrong <laughs> but yeah so like that helped me because like i was one of the guys when i got into the the company we worked with where i think we were the only two women maybe yeah. back then like i was comfortable because i had mm-hmm. spent my whole school years like with the guys yeah so that helps like i've heard all the sexist jokes and i learned to laugh at them and not be like uh uncomfortable around them which sucks but well i learned to never confront that as well so yeah that helped me stay comfortable and reach now i'm not sure if i didn't have all that backing of like pushing down my my instincts of fighting back i would be this like this long into my career but and that's pretty the, pessimistic yeah, yeah, yeah i was just gonna yeah. say like now now you're kind of going like very pessimistic because you did say that you had great teams as well yeah I, that that yes. helped like yeah. any hindsight when i remember like talking to you about your experiences you did have a lot of like great teams and, and people you became friends with yeah and for sure like i'm just saying that's the base but on top of that i've had a great time with great teams great guys always like had made friends everywhere i went so that helps like yeah composition of teams and not just hiring a bunch of assholes <laughs> helps a lot for yeah. sure and was it the team leads that were that were good at keeping the uh, the boundaries Um I feel that in some companies it was just like good people all around yeah. like good teams all together. Uh So yeah. <coughs> I think it's important for like uh young women 
wanting to come to the industry to realize that, of course, th these talks can sound very grim at some point, but it's still not like the rule for every single company and every single team. There are a lot of great companies and a lot of great teams. Yeah. So even if, let's say, they want to try their foot in, in a place and, you know, it's not working out and they feel that they are at the receiving end of all this, mm -hmm. like, uh, sexism and so on, then, you know like tr uh, remember that, that that that's not uh, the only company there yeah. is out there and you know i do think it it, it it could maybe help a bit this being part of the community and maybe joining some of these uh facebook groups and not, not just like women groups but just in general to kind of hear what people are saying about the companies you know yeah. like uh, yeah all, all the companies i've joined have never been like oh just out of my butt you know like yeah, i yeah. i've known people that were there i asked yeah, that, yeah, how yeah. is it and you know do you like it there what are the downsides and you know like just trying to be a bit yeah, more course. map it out yeah map it out yeah exactly but it's also important to remember that you know when we focus too much on not too much when we focus on on like women but then in I've, like i said i worked in an organization that were very female driven they're not great places to always to work for all the women either because women can be pretty harsh towards each other uh in terms of like different type of bullying and and you know i find it it was surprisingly easier to work as a man in a in a very female driven organization but i know there were a lot of arguments between the women that were kind of bubbling under which was you know yeah i i think it's the it's the remembering that people are still individuals and yeah. that mix is important it, it, i would never yeah. want to work in a company that is just women <clears throat> yeah yeah the, so, so yeah you put it more eloquently that's what i kind of meant is like there's there's sadly there's issues in, in most of the organizations it's just when when a lot of people get together um yeah it's it's like a how do you say what's the word when it gets too homogeneous that's true then if you if you are the one that sticks out like a sore thumb it's gonna be a bit difficult like you, you talked about isolation like there is a bit of a sense of isolation mm -hmm. so in in whatever way you play it you know it's not ideal so to, to kind of like sum it up um do you feel that that we're doing enough to to attract uh women into the games industry and um and what do you personally feel um is working and we could do more because uh, we know what we could do less this is pretty clear from this discussion but but um but what can we do more to attract women hmm. yeah for me the thing has never been so much about the attracting but more the keeping part mm -hmm. or keeping yeah, attracting, I think the keeping. attracting you know uh, there is a lot of these like exposing more examples and and you know there are initiatives on this front mm -hmm. and companies trying to show that you know hey we have these women in senior positions here and you know representation is important when mm -hmm. you look and you can see that hey that's attainable yeah um you know for me for instance even from rovio uh kathy uh, the the ceo like mm -hmm. it's it, i know it sounds really funny but uh, yeah like when she became the ceo it was a nice surprise to me that you know ah nice like rovio has a female ceo yeah in practice of course it doesn't matter like it's what she can do yes. you know it's not whether she's a woman or not but it feels refreshing it's a new story and, and it can actually inspire other younger females that maybe i can be a ceo you know and, and I've, I've been noticing already that things are slowly getting better as i have been seeing more startups that are being led by women because there is that as well that uh, <coughs> i feel i'm starting to think as well that a lot of women like 
are complaining that oh it's it's just the men and you know there are all these barriers and there is sexism here and la da 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 one way one track it's that that should be changed like but then the other track as well is how can you start making things happen from your side that maybe if there is no ideal company in your eyes should you start your own company and do the kind of products that you feel passionate about and find the team members that you click with so that's something else to think about like not even just in general like women in games but even women in entrepreneurship so I have been noticing already that some startups are uh, led by females with this yeah. kind of mindset. So it's a slow process, but yeah, I think these examples can be inspiring to a younger generation. And then as far as keeping them in the company, I think, yeah, just in general companies, all these things we have been talking, just uh, have this uh, mindset that, yeah, these dynamics are not as simple as it sounds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very important to take some of these initiatives that we talked about and also just always staying opening open and listening to people you know like uh, all these conversations that we are having now a lot of people will realize that oh i never thought of it that way yeah and i have noticed some companies within some companies now people are talking a lot about these topics now because of all these me tuesdays and yeah. this story people are talking so much more so i do have hopes that already like just the dialogue helps yeah that's true and I feel that in terms of attracting, like we have to, to consider that it may be young women or even girls who are looking um, not internally in the industry yet, but like on Twitter and Facebook, places where maybe the companies don't have complete control. So it's very important for the company to, when they see bullshit, cut it like from the root. When they see a group of very angry men men complaining about a female character or something like if the girl sees that they will immediately see that like this area is not for her because they're all there are all, all these people together bashing this mm -hmm. thing that she thinks is really cool so i think was it which one was it battlefield recently that had a trailer with a woman battle something <laughs> In E3, I think. I remember. It's either Call of Duty or Battlefield. Yeah, I think it was Battlefield. And, like, there yeah, was... Yeah, it was, it was EA, Battlefield, yeah. Yeah, and I think <coughs> EA came and, yeah. like, shut it down. Yeah, if you like, don't like said, it, don't like, buy it. Don't like it, don't buy it. And I think that's very important so that the girls who are looking at this discourse can see that the company mm -hmm. doesn't cater to that bullshit, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that was a good one. That is, that is true. Yeah. All right, so we talked about individual level, team level, company level, industry level. I think we covered a lot of ground. Um, this was really good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting. Thank you. Now, just let's hope that it recorded. We're done. <laughs> We're going to talk. I've ha it happened only once before. So can I move this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. an hour no, after it didn't record? Yeah. Well,